Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, welcome to the Deceptively Fast Podcast. Today, I just uh, hung out with my friend Drew Hodgden. Follow him on Twitter, at Drew Hodgden. This has turned into probably one of my favorite parts of the week is just hanging out and talking on the phone with my friend Drew. This podcast I'm using very selfishly as a way to mostly just uh, keep in touch with old friends. So uh, whether you love that or whether you hate it, feel free to give a review uh, if you love it. If you hate it, don't don't leave a review. But if you like just hearing me talk to Drew and the various other people, leave a five-star review. That would be awesome. Subscribe so it shows up in your inbox and enjoy the show. Drew, my friend, how was your Christmas? Uh, it was it was middling, four out of ten. Uh, <laughs> some, so. uh, we're currently recording this in the middle of um, in the middle of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Detroit Lions game, and uh, I don't uh, I don't want to I don't want to mess something up in case Detroit comes back here. But it looks like Detroit, it doesn't look like Detroit's going to win this game. <laughs> it's currently forty to seven in favor of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I didn't. I don't even see how the Lions. I turned my head and the Lions had scored. I, I'd completely checked out on this. You know, they said something interesting in this game, Drew, and I want to get your thoughts on it. And, and I don't think I, I told you this beforehand. Um, Mark Schlereth was saying that when he talked to Tom Brady, Tom Brady said early in the season he didn't get as much time working with the receivers as he typically does. And I was thinking, oh, okay, here comes the COVID talk. But no, it was because it's so hot out in Tampa that they just didn't get as much work done on, on the field. And my first thought was like, oh, man, there's people at home thinking like, what the hell's wrong with these people? There's, there's, they can't. Tom Brady's too soft to work out in the heat. But, but I never really would have thought of. I kind of I honestly had the same knee jerk reaction. But then I remembered what it's like trying to play football in Florida and Texas. And I mean, and you played in, in Arizona in college, too. There is like physiologically, there's a limit to how much you can get done before you start getting diminishing returns. Yeah, there is. Yeah, I mean, it's a full-on – that's what was funny is that having gone from ASU and being out in Phoenix and Scottsdale and then being drafted to Houston, and you obviously were there before I was, and getting there and realizing that there is something to it when people are saying that, yeah, it's a dry heat. Yeah, I mean, it was 125 degrees sometimes when I was in Arizona, oh. and it was somehow was more manageable. Oh, really? So it actually yeah. – I always wondered about that because I thought that – because once it gets up to 125, like that desert heat, I would have figured 
it it still wouldn't matter because it's so intense and the sun yeah, is so intense. It's it's brutal. It feels like your skin is burning, like the surface layers are are literally on fire. But it doesn't sap your energy in the same way that it does when you're just sweating buckets like you do when you're in Houston. Well, I noticed a difference even going from Jacksonville to Houston. Because Jacksonville, I looked this up once. All right. I want to say the three most the three heat indexiest cities in the NFL are Jacksonville, mm. New Orleans, and Houston. And I think it goes in the order of New Orleans, Houston, Jacksonville. But I, I figured I spent five years in Jacksonville. When I got to Houston, it would be no big deal. And I, I don't know what it is, man. And I think maybe it's just because it's so much more urban. So, like, there's more concrete and everything. Right. But that first year, that first year in our training camp, I just, I, I, I was thinking about retiring. <laughs> I was, like, I had those moments, you know, during training camp that I hadn't had since college when, when two days actually really suck. Um, like, where I'm like, I'll oh, screw this. this. This bullshit. I don't need Houston, this shit anymore. Houston is rough. I mean, Houston was really taxing. Like, yeah. that, that was a rough, rough time being outside for hours at a time. So Tom Brady has never had to deal with that because he played at Michigan, then he played at New, uh, New England. So I guess I, I wonder I wonder if he tried to do it like the first week or two and then realized that it was just too much or the receivers like – and the receiver, you know, like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin were probably talking to each other like, crap, I don't want to be the one to tell Tom that we're, <laughs> we can't do this extra work, but oh, I'm miserable, sure. my legs don't work. Yeah, there were a series of weeks that went by where they all pretended to be just as tough and dedicated and no <laughs> one wanted to be the one to say it to Tom Brady. Like yeah. everyone is just quietly pacing around him like, who's going to tell him? Okay. <laughs> well, they did have, a, I don't know, maybe they did have a bunch of injuries those first, really like the first right. half of the season. Maybe that was part of it. Maybe they were, maybe like somebody had to talk to Tom about like, hey, like we just can't, we got all this body, body. I bet they have the body tracking technology and everything, which I'm guessing like Belichick thinks is the devil. So <laughs> like all this stuff that Bruce Arians is going to be different about, like with a more lax attitude, right. there was like, uh, it was probably Tom Brady kind of trying to figure out, all right, I gotta, I gotta fit into this culture without forcing too much of mine on. And maybe this is part of it. Oh, for sure. I mean, I bet his he was bringing that New England mentality, and it was just like probably. I mean, I'm sure it was ruffling feathers with some of the guys who are a little more chill. There is um, I remember my brother when when my brother finished college before he went to grad school, he came down and lived with me in Jacksonville for a while, and uh, he just like picked up some random job roofing, and he started off the first week working like. Like he was used to working on the farm up in upstate New York, you know, where like yeah. every now and then it gets above 90 and he's like scurrying up and down these ladders with the, with, uh, with shingles and everything. And everybody's looking at him like, what the hell is wrong with this moron? This second dullard's going to get heat stroke. And he did within like three or four days, he realized, oh, this is why everything's a little bit slower down South. Like going back to the days before air conditioning and everything, especially you, you can't work the same way. You'll die. Literally. No, it's different. I don't know if you had this experience when you were in Houston where you sweat so much that your cleats actually are like sloshing around. Yeah. Where, I mean, you step down and the sweat is, is like exploding out of your shoe. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's you got to change them at halftime or even yeah. on the, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's disgusting. It's really, it doesn't, it, especially cause as guys got big, once guys got routinely over 300 pounds, so much about it like counterintuitively made players more fragile, the bigger they got. Right. Because back in the, back in the junction boy days, when defensive linemen weighed 225 pounds, you know, you could do three a days out in the, in the college station heat or wherever they went for the junction. 
it was it junction texas i'm guessing um wherever they were for the junction <laughs> sounds right um yeah. like it like guys were more durable because they just they shed heat better but once they got everything everybody got up to Corey stringer size you just you can't you physiologically can't do the same things that they did back in the day and i would include in that like mike evans is a wide receiver mike mike evans i'm just guessing like probably would have been the biggest wide receiver in the nfl in any given year back in in the 1950s and 60s oh yeah yeah for sure and they have a lot no, of guys they, like they, that there they had to take a lot of abuse back then though too you, you waiting for me to to chime to chime in on what my experience was okay. like playing football in the 1940s no 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 let me um <laughs> let me wrap up our talk about tampa with some actual football talk where are you on the tampa bay buccaneers right now can they actually genuinely threaten in the in the playoffs now that you're seeing them beat at this point, midway through the third quarter, they're beating the Detroit Lions, who are using their third-string head coach and their second-string quarterback, <laughs> forty-seven to seven. Yes, uh, because the if the if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had to be put to the test of the college football playoff committee, they'd be really struggling because they don't have any quote-unquote quality wins. Quality other, wins. They right. they beat the Green Bay Packers, but other than that, all of their wins are are not against. I don't know, like the equivalent of a top 25 team in college football. So I don't know if the committee is going to I don't know if the committee would put them all that high in the rankings due to their lack of quality wins. I just feel like that might be true across the board with everyone, though, this year, where it feels like once we get closer to the playoffs actually rolling around, like I I don't envy whoever the odds makers are this year for all the lines across the board. It doesn't feel to me like like anyone is that much of a lock to begin with. So right. I just, uh, I could absolutely see Tampa doing it too. And plus I just have like a deep, uh, I, for no specific reason, I hate the lions and I don't really know why anymore. Maybe it's cause I'm just used to seeing Patricia there. Yeah. And I just do not like <laughs> he's, seeing him he's on the so sideline. He's just so hateable. It's just so like, like I'm, he, he contrasts whatever your idea of what entitlement is supposed to look like, but he is entitled. It's like, he looks like a slouch who doesn't look the part, but he totally yeah. is entitled. In oh, no, no, way, no. So. You know what? He does even look more entitled these days because as marijuana has replaced alcohol as the drug of choice uh, <laughs> among young people, it used to be that like, oh, the privileged Harvard kid would look like all oh, dapper and everything, like a right. Dudley Moore type or something. All you know, <laughs> like the like the frat guy from the nineteen seventies wearing a ball. Now it's turned into like, oh, you're so entitled that you're just sloppy as hell. It, you know, and you're you got Seth Rogen poach, you got Seth Rogen posters up in your dorm room instead right. of Bo Derek. This is the yeah. whole. It's an emasculated. The damn marijuana has sapped up all the testosterone out of these poor kids. No, I like that. I like yeah. that you coming in with. The, the most old man take ever that <laughs> young people smoking their grass, just taking our jobs, not even doing it like you're supposed to not even wearing a tie. My grandfather even, wore a tie every day for 40 years. I'm not even judging it, Drew. I would say, I would say that this brand uh, of entitled, you know. I would say this brand of entitled stoner probably commits fewer assaults on like various other people like they, I, I i would think they're they're like a less aggressive version of the frat boy from the 70s and 80s well it's a, it's know? that he he clearly had he had one you know stint on his resume that uh-huh. enabled him to essentially have any other kind of behavior and oh, i forgot that job plus he also had an allegation back in uh new mexico on spring break in college so i take back my previous theory about the stoners being more more yeah, more, yeah. more calm um yeah, no, I think you're right, though, because if you look at even, okay, I just, I'll look at my last week's power rankings in the AFC. 
the Chiefs, the Bills, the Steelers. The Chiefs are not nearly as dominant as they were last year. Or, well, because they, there are stretches where they weren't that dominant last year either. They just haven't looked as impressive they, yeah, like as you expected them to. They haven't just been steamrolling people despite the 13-1 record. But even if you just – like they're firmly at the top of the AFC. <laughs> right. The Bills – um, the Bills have come around to where they are right now. There were serious questions about their offense not too long ago. I feel like people have amnesia about how, right. what they were saying about the Bills just five, six weeks ago. Um, and then the Steelers, my God, I, I don't know if the Steelers are going to score a point in the playoffs now. Right. I mean, and I guess that's what I'm saying. I mean, is it going to surprise anybody when the lowest seed upsets somebody this year? I mean, right. I just don't know that it will. I mean, this, you can cat. You can catch anybody in, a, in an, on an off day, it feels like, this year more so than in the past. I think I'd have to go up to, like, right now, as we stand here on a Saturday, so this will change, everybody, so bear with us if you're listening to this a few days from now, but, like, right now, the Dolphins and the Cardinals are the seventh seeds. I don't, I don't think they would necessarily have a, a, an upset in them, um, but the Colts and the Bucks, who are the current six seeds, I totally could see. Right. And then the Rams, I don't know, the Rams, what the hell, I, I have no idea what the hell they Can't are. Can't tell. Yeah. They're the closest, I think, that the uh, the Bucks would have come to another quality win, but they're so bipolar that that I don't have a clue. The other thing, well, and, is, and then it's like, which which conference is really? Can you really tell that much of a difference, top to bottom, on which one is? You know, versus maybe in past years where I can't, I don't know, no. I can really tell. The only thing we can tell is the NFC East is just the the worst. Is the worst. Yeah. They're like whatever the they're the sidekick to the stoned out privilege <laughs> yeah they're they're the one that's always available to hang out and get into trouble they're, you know what anytime. they are they're like the yeah. super rich kid they're they're dan snyder they're like <laughs> they're like the guy that's in that like really annoying rich kid frat but this kid's only in because he's the richest like all the other all the other entitled rich right. kids hate this kid but he's so rich and like his you know all four previous generations of his family were in it and his father like owns a beer company so they get free beer for all their not that yeah. they drink the beer because they're all at the guy yeah but, and he, uh, he yeah. paid his dues you know four four years in full in advance seems like the rich kid frats are into cocaine that's the that's where that's a whole different level than uh, yeah I've heard like that. i didn't even i didn't even know that was an actual possibility in college like i had no clue college kids did that stuff until i until i rubbed up against a couple of those types of <laughs> right i got yeah. freaked out the sight of cocaine scares the hell out of me drew i don't to this day i'm 45 years old if i sense that there's cocaine in the room or about to be i get the hell out i get paranoid as hell. every i get nancy reagan gets in my ear and i i can just i can say <laughs> right, yeah. somebody in here's a narc i'm getting out of here yeah immediately all those uh just say no to drugs campaigns like come yeah. flooding back to you all at once you're like after oh, man, school special I'm, I'm about to lose everything i'm about to lose everything i, I got know it. i od'd off of secondhand <laughs> right <laughs> yeah secondhand, not secondhand smoke secondhand cocaine dust <laughs> i was a subject I, I was the exact same way i immediately just saw it was like every scene from every movie growing up that depicted it you know and i was like oh man i'm definitely johnny depp and blow that is, god man there must be a there's probably a fed somewhere. yeah you think you're being tailed on the way yeah home. i'm being tailed i know they're gonna know i was here they're gonna know it they're just gonna know and if they don't know i'm just gonna call and tell them <laughs> just i don't know why i'm gonna I, get out should, in front of this thing case. i gotta hey. get in front of it I, you know we got guys we gotta get in front of this and set the story why was i officer, there officer i yeah. i was close and i could have done it yeah i'm sorry <laughs> Don't tell my don't put this on my permanent record. Or yeah, tell do you my want mom. me to turn those guys in? I mean, I can. Yeah. The other thing I've decided from watching this Bucks game is that 
Rob Gronkowski's physique is my desired physique. That's what I'm going to go for. I'm going to put up a poster <laughs> of Rob Gronkowski on yeah. my mirror like every morning. That's what I'm going to look at and, and try to get to Rob Gronkowski physique. He's yeah, not is too... that an option? I mean, he's like three inches taller than I think. Well, yeah, I know. I'd have to shrink it down. I feel like Gronk's like 6'6", 265. I feel like I'd have to be like 6'6", 245, right? Like right. Subtract about Because I think he's pretty... I, I think a lot of times people think of him as being bulkier than he actually is. He's pretty, I don't want to say skinny because he's got a lot of muscle and everything, but he's pretty lanky, right? Or smelt. Yeah, he's yeah. he's lean and yeah, he, he's not carrying a lot of extra weight, actually. He's not, right, but he's not bulked up the way some tight ends are. Like even the more chiseled tight ends, he's not, he's uh, he's just, he's he's sinewy. I want to be yeah. sinewy. Yeah, you, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I don't know. Follow up to sinewy. I'm like, quick. What's um a different word that sounds also? The rock, I, I thought about being the Rock for a little while. I've been fo- I follow the Rock and James Harrison on social media. James Harrison lifts too heavy. I can't be doing that. That's why I got a hernia. As yeah. I watch James Harrison on Instagram, and then the Rock, uh, like for. <laughs> I don't want to body shame the rock if I have, but if I have to, I will. Uh, frankly, too veiny and uh, too muscular for me. Oh, I don't think he, too, too vascular for your taste. Too vascular and too muscular, which uh, I like. Look, I could look like the rock totally. I just choose not to because no, I want to look good in this suit. Yeah. 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 I, I, <laughs> I mean, the thing about his traps are just at a level that, that I, I, I don't know where that comes from. I don't have that kind of trap game anywhere in my DNA. There's <laughs> That's no why way. I don't believe like, I think he says he weighs 265, but I don't believe it. Cause he's Maybe just, he cause he's a big guy. I mean, he was yeah. a defensive lineman. He's like six, four, right? Are you I, not shocked when people tell you that you look at and go, you're 300 pounds. And then yeah. they tell you they're like two thirty, And I think, I must be much fatter than I realized because I'm like 280. <laughs> like, I think I look all right. And then I'm looking at him going, oh, I'm 50 pounds heavier than you. I'm much, much too generous with how I look at myself. I must be <laughs> way fatter than I realized. Oh, oh, my other question I had for you, I just in case you had an answer for it. Uh, how does Chase Daniel keep getting jobs? I, I don't know. He goes in the same bucket as as a handful of others there there's i have, I have no idea he dated everyone's daughter there's uh, I, yeah i think he's like a good dude you know he's probably like doug peterson was right because doug peterson had right. jobs forever and i think a lot of i think a lot of his time at greenway was just probably because they felt like oh he'll keep brett Favre on track like he he can hang yeah. out with brett Favre, but not he'll he'll maybe get him home on time you know, like that yeah. kind of personality. Like he's like, yeah. Doug will be a good time and he, everybody likes him and he'll know the offense, but he'll also keep an eye on Brett for it. I don't think Chase Daniel needs to keep an eye on Matt Stafford or anything, but I think there's, there's kind of like a good guy thing there. Yeah. There's a handful of teams that seem to have that kind of set up with like some kind of like handler who's always just kind of making the rounds. Yeah. The other, I guess the other, cause the other quarterbacks, I get Chase Daniel getting paid as a backup, quarterbacks that get paid as potential starters that I just don't get are well, it continues to be Nick Foles and um, Oh, what's his name? Oh, Mike Glennon, Mike Glennon. I didn't get it all. Like Mike and, and they all seem to rotate through Chicago at some point, but Mike Glennon getting that big contract in Chicago. And I think he's got a pretty healthy contract in Jacksonville, right? Now. That, is, that is the best example. That one is baffling. That one. I don't get the, the Nick Foles thing. I mean, look, he, they won a Super Bowl. Like once yeah. you have Super Bowl attached to your name, it's hard to shake that. Well, but. and his good stretch, his good stretches, his two good stretches were so good that every quarterback coach 
in the offensive coordinator thinks, well, <laughs> I can get it out of him. Like, uh, like a, right. none of these other, these other coaches and these other systems can't quite do it, but I'm the different guy. Oh yeah. And that's see Mike Lennon right now is making, I think he's making $1 million this year in Jacksonville, 1.1 million. So the other guy, if we're talking about generation Z and what types of entitled stoners there are and whatnot, the story that I saw this last week, and I came to it late. I didn't even realize this until a couple of days after the football weekend. Um, and this kid's not an entitled stoner whatsoever, but Josh Jacobs, the running back for the Raiders, um, he kind of trolled fantasy owners because apparently fantasy owners haven't been all too happy with him this season, and they've been taking it out on him pretty hard. And by that, I mean, I don't know what percentage of fantasy owners actually like at Josh Jacobs. I'm guessing... I'm guessing like maybe less than 3% of actual fantasy players will at their player, like an angry tech or an, an angry tweet. Does that sound right? Like, I don't think, I don't think many people are just like, like adding Josh Jakes and saying you asshole, I can't believe you're sucking or whatever. I mean, if, if there's, if there's anything that's more fruitless, it's ever assigning percentages of a whole of an entirety of people that do anything online. Yeah. Right? But okay. yeah, like, I mean, I'm with you in that, our entire re- reality is driven by the loud minority. Yeah, so it's for sure. It's like it's like five percent. It's small. So yeah. Josh Jacobs before the game last weekend, um, I, th- I think on Instagram, I can't ever tell if it's Instagram or yeah, it's Instagram. Uh, he just he tweeted out or Instagrammed out um, this phrase. Sorry, guys, I'm not playing today crying games emojis so you know naturally everybody scrambled to adjust their starting lineups and whatnot and josh jacobs ended up playing and uh, and wrote uh let's see a lot of hot fantasy owners afterwards and underneath said like a little um i'm trying to read it here like a little uh like a little um the middle finger emoji a middle finger emoji to some guy that apparently O'Neal or something. I don't know. Um, oh, oh, well. Oh, oh, this is what he wrote. Oh, well, middle finger, yo, fantasy. So Josh Jacobs just had it up to here with fantasy football owners and the way that they're treating him online. This is where I'm disappointed with Gen Z because I hold Gen Z up here, Drew. I hold them in high esteem because they've grown up with smartphones. They've grown up on the internet. They simply have more experience than we do. And like sometimes I listen to them and I believe them when they say, Oh, that doesn't bother me or oh, no, no. Like the trolls don't get to me. Or if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. Well, clearly Josh Jacobs is being bothered by like, all these trolls and, and, and because of the trolls, he's punishing like the silent majority of people. that just want to play fantasy football and did think highly enough of him to draft him at some point. I, and, and by the way, for, he rewarded the people that like were late to to bench him by going for 49 yards on 13 carries, three catches for 25 yards with no touchdowns last weekend. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So yeah. he's like, hey, you know, like, oh, sorry. Yeah, you really missed out, I guess. Uh, you know, like he actually he actually unintentionally ended up doing everybody a favor that did bench him. Right. Which which is which is really cuts the heart of what, what the actual problem is, is that he, he ended up not living up to, to the hype of his of his own of the gauntlet that he threw down in trying yeah. to trying to troll people. So, I mean, that's the real problem. Like if he had really gone off, this would have just been prolific. But, you know, the fact that he kind of had a pretty middling to, to mediocre yeah. game is kind of the issue. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of the irony of that, that he was trying to stick it to fantasy owners. Like, like and again, people that. 
believed in him for some reason. I'm not trying to make it emotional or anything. It's all a transaction, <laughs> right? It's not like yeah. it's not like there's some kid in his Her Alabama feelings. sweater being yeah. like, oh, come on, Josh. I know you can do it this week. Right. Um, but still, yeah, he ended up actually doing all the people that he was trying to screw over a favor by benching him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of pull for, I think at this point, I'm like a big advocate for anybody who can be a disruptor to the social media like atmosphere i mean i think i'm i'm, I'm into it i'm i'm and i kind of i guess i'm lumping fa- uh, fantasy football into that i don't really play fantasy football so it's easy for me to say i'd like to watch it like go down like a like a burning blimp but um it, i just wish he had actually performed that would have been just awesome but, but it's also he, yeah, like he wasn't fan- able to pull that out i don't want to be um now i feel like i'm turning into grumpy old man about all this stuff because i again i'll reiterate i was not being grumpy about the stoners i'm a fan of the stoners and i and i'm pro legalization um because i love tax revenue and i and i love advertising things on the radio so i don't give a damn the way the way you were able to walk that line right there was incredible i'm very pro stoner because i'm so conservative um is is what i'm saying no you know what i also though i do (laughs) I like as a as, as somebody who grew up a farmer though too. I also kind of want to stick to everybody who thinks that they're going to stay getting rich by farming marijuana. Like <laughs> right. once it's completely right. mainstream yeah. and legal, like it it's just over. turns into any other yeah. cash crop. Exactly. They're like it's <laughs> like I'll be as rich as a soybean farmer. It's going to exactly. be awesome. Yeah, just yeah, exactly. <laughs> or everybody who's trying to get into the uh, like the uh, biodiesel. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, hey man, you get you got one golden window here. They say there's a lot of money out. in corn. You know, you know those, <laughs> you know those rich farmers riding around in their 1979 Fords and everything. Yeah. Uh, just wait till it gets commoditized, guys. Once you see, you know, the 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 price of weed up there, we have it pricing <laughs> out the barrels of oil. That the game is over. But uh, but there is, I mean, fantasy football does it provides a lot of revenue for people and their salaries and everything. So you're kind of you're, you're kind of spitting in the eye of the customer when I, I just want to reach out is, to is Josh it, Jacobs. Is it though? No, yeah, know. yeah, oh yeah, it's big. They, really? It's their, yeah, it's their way to. Oh, it's the NFL's way to to suck people in, especially with daily fantasy because it's because yeah. it's gambling, but they don't have to call it gambling. Like daily it's, fantasy is just one. It's just like a half step removed from outright gambling, you know. Wait, is that still happening though, to the degree that it was a few years ago? Like the regulations took the teeth out of that in kind of a big way, didn't it? It's gotten more mainstream. The league is actually the league partners with FanDuel, I think. So like FanDuel oh, wow. play, pays a pretty penny to be a part of it. And yeah, because of the because there were a couple of abuses, it got regulated more. So right. now people trust it more than um yeah, early on there were some some of the employees that like knew the algorithms and everything and, and knew right. how prices yeah. were adjusted. It was, it was some sketchy stuff, but that was because of that. Then it got cracked down on I think, and it's, it's now it's more on the up and up, but then, well, and then like gambling too, I've got a friend up in Chicago who does radio who said that their company got hit hard by COVID um, and the loss of advertisers, except for the legal gambling, like the gambling, the gambling revenue is huge. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. CBD, CBD advertises a lot now, now that that's pretty much yep. legal everywhere. Right. And, you know, and for anybody that doesn't know CBD of which a product that I do not currently advertise, um, but that I've taken before, it's just like, it's the non psycho. It's one of the non psychoactive cannabinoids in marijuana. So you don't get high, but it helps you uh, with anxiety and inflammation and whatnot. Right, it helps you. It's supposed to help you regulate like your sleeping patterns. And have you tried CBD? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a wonder drug. 
And I think um, it really probably cures cancer. Also, I've read. Um, so I if did you want to sponsor a- me, if you want to sponsor me, I'm willing to say those things. So Josh Jacobs, though, back to Josh Jacobs. Yes. Like, I interviewed Josh Jacobs, and he was really cool. I liked him a lot. And I think he's probably a really good kid. That's why I worry about the Gen Zs, because I do think that sometimes social media is such a big part of their life but everybody's in denial about how much a big part of their life it is. <laughs> right. and, and I see, I've seen this with some players that like they've left Houston uh, and, and what they'll see, like for the most part, like Deandre Hopkins, most people in Houston look at Deandre Hopkins almost like as a tragic hero and a victim of Bill O'Brien's ego. So like they love, they still love Deandre Hopkins. I got my nephew, a Deandre Hopkins t-shirt for, um, right. For Christmas, it's a it's a silhouette of DeAndre reaching up for that Hail Mary. I bought it from DeAndre Hopkins online shop. It was uh, fifty dollars, and <laughs> and I wish I hadn't spent it, but it, but it's a nice present for my. I figured it was like, oh, this is D Hop. It's probably like a badass. It's probably right. like a badass, like super awesome fabric or something. That's why it cost fifty dollars. Like, no, it's that it's that harsh, harsh cotton. Oh, that, uh, no. whatever that whatever it's brand like it is, it starts with a the... G. Whatever that brand with a G is that like all those types of t-shirts are printed on, like a right. stock t-shirt. Um, so I got him. So everybody loves loves DeAndre, but I'll see him sometimes on his Twitter and on his Instagram. You can sense that he's kind of chafing against some of the people that are reaching out to him and talking smack out of Houston. Right. And then all of a sudden, and I've seen it with like guys like Chandler Parsons when he left Houston. They 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 kind of all of a sudden have this chip on their shoulder against the fans who largely love them, but they let a silent minority just ruin it for them. Right. Yeah. Well, that's that's always the problem, right? It is funny though when you see the guys like like DeAndre Hopkins specifically for sure, where the fans had a good read on how that all went down, especially now, and you see how how they're perceived after the fact is it's very interesting. I mean, it was hard to ever keep a guy like that down, but not everybody I mean, I feel like Arian Foster was another guy who had like a weird up and down kind of relationship with the fandom. Especially he started off as just such a media darling, right? Yes. This kid out of nowhere. I mean, he wasn't out of nowhere. He's out of Tennessee, but he was an undrafted rookie. Right. And, you know, ended up supplanting a second round pick to become the starter. And everybody loved him. Oh, he's a philosophy major. Wow. And it just, it seemed like within about two years with Arian, it just all got to him, right? Like he just, he just got sick of everybody hanging on his words and or criticized like dicing up every statement he made and all that and it just uh, like it, it but he stayed on twitter but he definitely had a love-hate relationship with the whole like every aspect of it right yeah i mean it was tough because i felt like as an outsider and and you can't ever assume you know what it's like to be in anyone's head but it just felt like as an outsider he was you were watching him in real time go through this process of figuring out exactly what this eccentric personality was that he was going to inhabit yeah. And he hadn't figured it out, but he was really selling you that he had. And you were like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you have figured it out. And and then he would take that personal and you're like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. You can, it's, you know what it is. You're vegan and you're, I guess also every religion. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to do. It's I'm not mad. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> well, just, it's hard. It's hard when you're a 24 year old kid too. Right. Like exactly. it's just, yeah. I, I, I think that it, it, you're doomed. You know, who else was like that was, um, Oh, uh, the, the tight end Martellus Bennett. I think Martellus Bennett was kind of, 
he was just kind of out there and kind of eccentric and they want to be themselves. But then part of the problem drew is and the same thing happened with Arian. I think is that it's really cool. People think it's really cool that they have their own personalities and they're interesting, except that the audience is a football audience. (laughs) And it's like, this is right. not like, this is not like an art house indie flick crowd. <laughs> so right. at some point there's going to be yeah. a few, there's going to be a certain portion of people that like football that are going to be into it and appreciate it. But then there's going to be like the other 75 to 80% are like, what the hell is this? What the hell? Subtitles. I ain't right. watching no stupid movie about two French people doing all upset about world war one. What the yeah. hell is this? Yeah. They're, they're definitely doing their best to try to own that Venn dynamic, that Venn diagram that crosses over between uh, really passionate vegans um, and diehard fantasy football fans, <laughs> yeah. you know, and you're like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to get all 10 of those guys. And I do. I feel if I were to ever speak at the rookie symposium, they don't do the rookie symposium anymore. But if I did, I think one of the pieces of advice I would get is like, listen, hey, until you don't say a word publicly about being a vegan until you've actually pulled it off for a year. Because, <laughs> right. Because I see all you guys just be like, hey, I'm going to try being vegan and I'm going to tweet about it. And then all of a sudden they don't realize what they've done. Like they've opened the floodgates. All of a sudden they start getting written about like on blogs right. and everything is like this vegan athlete, that vegan athlete. And then they get asked questions about it all the time Yeah, for the rest of their career. And well, they it's, either- a, it's, it's a great hack though for a younger yeah. player. That is a good hack to try to immediately get some, some press and some attention. It's like, like, and like, I feel like it's any, any like Instagram model you see that's like mostly attractive, but then like once they put on a weird costume, now they got like 10 million followers. And you're like, okay. From I that see. niche. Like, I see what their, we did here. Yeah. Whatever that like little cosplay was or whatever. Something. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, okay, cool. And then it's you got but then you get kind of married to that. The vegan stuff is hard. Cause I know, I mean, some of the strictest, most disciplined people I've ever known as football players that tried to be vegan, like at some point they just caved, you know? it's really like it's possible but you got to be so dialed in when you especially when you're playing a sport like football where there's just so much muscular damage week in and week out right and um like tony gonzalez tony gonzalez is probably one of the most disciplined guys that's ever played the nfl and he he had to add some fish and chicken back to his diet you know it's a pretty inefficient way to to keep up your energy you know, that's the yeah. problem is that it's a, it's not an easy way to do it. And I say that as someone who tried to do it and then was maybe the only person to get fatter and gain weight. Up. I don't think you're the only person at all, because you think about like to get the amount like of protein bread. that you need to get, you know, and especially if you're not trying to drink powders all the time and everything, that's right. a football is a different football is just different than a lot of the other sports. I think like the, the most successful athletes that do it tend to be distance runners and ultra runners and such. And they are like rail thin. They don't need nearly as much total protein. But right. like, if you're trying to take in 250 grams of protein in a day as a as a lineman, it's um, how it's, many loaves of bread can I eat really, Seth, yeah. to do that? You know, <laughs> Ten. <clears throat> you got a dry cough. You're gonna be all right. You got the uh, COVID. Come on now, stop. Brandy still got her dry cough. She got her. She got it. <laughs> um. She got COVID, I think it was like the first or the second of the month. So she's way negative at this point, but she's still got the dry cough. I'm nervous that she's, and then you know what happened to me, Drew? I, uh, my Peloton workouts, you know, like you get, a, I've got a record of all of them. Like I was, uh, I had some PR efforts 
a week and a half or two weeks after my hernia surgery. I started going a little too hard too soon. But like then I got COVID and I'm still I'm not anywhere close to what I was doing right after my hernia surgery. Like my, I, there's something going on where I'm just oh, not, I'm not like you're, you're cycling feeling, through you're feeling the <clears throat> Yeah. Like my legs get tired really quick. It's been, it's been not even two weeks since you've. I just, true. Have you not, yeah, did, you're, did, I, did you not hear you, my you, stand you, the way you just like Rob Yeah. Gronkowski. The way you just, the way you just gaslit me right there too. And I bought into it. I was like, oh man. It's oh, been, uh, no. <laughs> oh, you're yeah, never going to be the same. Long, yeah, I'm like, but... it's been nine days. <laughs> I know. I was out of quarantine like the, the 17th, I think. Yeah. Seven out of quarantine? No, but that means I first got my, my first symptom on December 5th. So it's been three weeks since I got my first symptom, which right. is, yeah. I don't which know. Which means I, you probably had symptoms for at least a week. Yeah. No, I had symptoms for, I don't know. I was tired for, yeah. I was tired for at least two weeks. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll give myself this break. No, you're, you're allowed. You're allowed to not immediately get up to the level you were right after you had surgery. I was, uh, yeah. (laughs) I'm reading this book. Can't hurt me by David Goggins. He's a former Navy SEAL who did all the marathons and everything. It's a, let me ask you this. It's a very good book, and he's like the tough, tough individual. But one of the things that comes up in the book was his disillusionment with Navy SEALs in general and the culture of the SEALs because he's psychotic about his working out just all the time. Wake up at 3.30 in the morning, run 20 miles on your way to work, all this stuff. Right. And in his mind, he always thought that when he became a SEAL, everybody would be like him. But it turns out that, no, a lot of guys – in various branches of, of special ops and everything they get they go through the training but then they just want to focus on whatever they're going to focus on right. and not necessarily the psychotic <clears throat> physical training but it got to the point and he admits this part of it like he it got to the point where it it set him apart within his unit and and like people kind of didn't um look at him as even a part of the team. Like he was a Navy SEAL, but he wasn't a part of the, like the actual team. And it hurt him with his advancement. It, it, but even when, when you read it though, you can sense that he still kind of has a lingering resentment about that. And it, it made me think a lot about like football teams and football coaches with their insistence on culture right now. Like Bill O'Brien was obsessed with culture and being dependable, tough, and smart. And in his eyes, DeAndre Hopkins wasn't dependable, tough, and smart enough. I feel like David Goggins was so wrapped up in the physical training side of things yeah. that maybe he was almost <clears throat> blind to seeing what other people's contributions would be. And he had to feel like, no, this is the way it should be. And, and he couldn't get over, over the fact that like these other guys weren't just completely sacrificing their bodies all the time to, for whatever ideal he had in his mind. I feel right. like, I feel like Bill O'Brien was that way with, needing to have a certain culture. And a lot of these other Bill Belichick disciples are this way where they somehow feel like the yeah. culture trumps talent. And, and it just doesn't like talent is going to trump culture. And like, you got to have talent first. And then you, you try to have the right culture, but you look, look at the Patriots this year. I don't think their culture is probably all that much different than it was last year, but they're a losing football team this year because they don't have as many talented football players. It, yeah. But you know, it, I mean, I'm totally with you, but I do think that they're as with all things, especially in football, which I think is a better example than a lot of other sports is that there's a balance. I mean, there's just a balance. You just, yeah. there are too many examples of teams that lean really far into um, just always picking the most talented draft picks, 
just always trying to, you know, re-sign guys that are pure, pure speed guys or pure size and power guys. <clears throat> and that's just not the way to do it. And I actually, for all their faults, which, which are many as far as um, just being like the most prolific cheaters ever, you know, the Patriots really did kind of figure out that you can get around a lot of the skill and pure talent elements of the game by just trying to lean on guys who are well-rounded. Right. You'd understand how to be in the right place at the right time. Like there is a balance there. I just like, but, I mean, but I'm I totally the, with you, but the difference but they go too is, though, the difference <laughs> is that like it, it, one of the biggest differences, and this is where like all the guys that try to emulate doing it the same way as Belichick right. is, is that there's no accounting for how good a coach Bill Belichick is. Right. Like that, Agreed. that he can coach every position on the team better than the position coaches themselves, right? Especially on the defense. Like those guys just get they're better. You you watch the defense every single year with the New England Patriots. You watch the defense's technique improve as the year goes on. Like I'll watch them week one and be like, oh, these guys are trash. And right. then you check in on them in week seven or eight, and like all these nondescript defensive linemen are 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 dumping guys on their asses because they've just gotten better technique, you know. That's exactly right. Yeah, the the guys the guys who came out of that tree who you always talk to me about your favorite coach, which was uh, Patricia, who's in Detroit. <laughs> yeah. And you know that, that's a great example where that's exactly it. It's that yeah they can try to bring that cultural change, like O'Brien. It sounds like tried to do the same thing in Houston, and it doesn't matter if they're not actually coaching each of the position groups to that the level. Problem, the problem with O'Brien also though was that he was he was paying he was paying guys way above market value just because they were dependable tough and smart that was his big acronym was dts dependable tough and smart so he's paying guys like like whitney merciless because he's a good dude right he's 30 years old you know and he's not producing the way he used to he gave him a huge contract they bring in the safety eric murray um but it's a it's i i feel like in some respects there's some coaches these belichick's disciples especially that latch onto the culture side because if you do it right, it is special and it is unique, but it just is never going to be enough to overcome the fact that you still like in, in New England, you had Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Those are like the two X factors that swing everything way to the other way. And you could get away with, with the right kind of guys, you could get away with not having as much talent on paper, but you always had those two guys making right. up for a lot of it too. And it just, you're not going to do that with, Bill O'Brien and then frankly whether it's like Deshaun Watson or Matt Stafford or well, they, or or anybody else like they're just not going to do it like Tom Brady did it no and they still always had significant like talented players on those rosters always yeah they, they, they didn't have zero I mean they it's they weren't making the moves of getting rid of the DeAndre Hopkins until after they were really kind of at the end of their their career yeah I mean, it's like you know, they still had just excellent players on the teams. A, I mean, I'm living in this misery of being. I've been in Houston now and heard all this dependable, tough, and smart stuff long enough. But I'm just, <laughs> I did. We don't, we don't talk about it on my radio show anymore. But since I, since I never talked to you about it, I, I had to talk about it just for a little bit. Um, one last thing I wanted to hit you with. This guy, Kasin Rashid, I think he's an attorney on Twitter. I don't know why. I don't. He's a very popular on social media lawyer, so he must be very good at Twitter lawyering. But right. he asked a question, what's a pre-COVID social norm that doesn't need reviving post-COVID? And I'm, I'm skeptical that some of these are going to disappear, disappear completely. Um, but tell me your feelings just as I go down through this. Buffets. Oh man, weren't buffets kind of dying though before COVID anyway? Like I, don't I, think I so. 
You don't think so? You think they were still like living I think strong? you grew out of them a little bit. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm projecting my own yeah. growth onto same the rest to, of the country. I, I, I've watched the same thing happens with sports radio all the time. People think like, well, nobody listens to sports radio anymore. It's because they've grown out of it. And actually, <laughs> right. like sports radio as a format is thriving. Like like, like stations are proliferating. Um, <laughs> and like, and people say, well, you have a podcast or where it is. Like, yeah, I know. We podcast our shows. Like, we, do. Right. we, get, yeah. we get more downloads than the podcasters do, right? Um so I, I think that every now and then people grow up. You sound, up, you they sound come defensive, back. Seth. You sound defensive. Oh, no, no. I'm not. That's just the life cycle. They always come back. They, <laughs> right. are, they This is what happens is they grow. They think they grow out of it to where they don't need it anymore because they're above that. And then they get they, they go off and they read Kierkegaard or something. Or they're really, right. you know, they're listening to Bloomberg. And then they come back to their dark master, which is just the, the <laughs> right. sports. They can't get away from it. So yeah. that's just uh, that's how you are with buffets. At some point, you'll what go back the, to it what are the when you're 65. Then? What is it like home to, like um country buffet and like uh like Luby's I guess Luby's Well Golden like Corral buffet. is the pinnacle of the mass uh buffet like uh, of of the like not you know we're not talking like a fancy buffet at a hotel right. on a Sunday or anything Golden Corral does like a lot of their stuff fresh I speak this as a former Golden Corral owner no, um, I get it. You investor sound, You sound familiar No I think they're doing I think buffets will be back too cuz it's just a good deal It's uh it's such a good deal for people Between I mean I guess the thing with all of the um the rituals or i guess the like pre-covid you know whatever the social norms were is that i just feel you can never underestimate the inertia and the stubbornness of americans like yeah. we we will always keep doing like we're in the middle of it and people are not into the masks right right else. like i i think most of them probably are ultimately going to stick around that is i think especially i think people are going to be more careful as they get older than maybe they were before, because right. I think people will still associate, well, okay, if I've got some underlying health conditions, I know the flu isn't as bad as COVID, but it can be like, so right. if I'm going to, so I think, I think people, I, I think that we will see selective mask wearing. It's not going to be like to the level of Asian cultures where they, they get sick, they just slap on a mask, but I think some people will just because they've kind of been introduced to it, but it's not as, yeah, it's not going to be omnipresent or anything. Like which one do you think is definitely on the ropes? I might be handshakes. Out. I think handshakes are going to be, are going to be fist bumps at least. I think. Is that, is that, how have you been doing? Have you been doing fist bumps? I've been doing just like, I don't know. I almost do like a little kind of, it's almost like, um, you know, in the water boy, <laughs> when the water boy was trying to learn how to tackle the first time, when Henry Winkler, when Henry Winkler tells him to, yeah. to tackle him, he kind of right. like goes sideways in. Right. Like, that's, that's, I kind of do that, but like from a distance, I try to feel people out. Like, are we, but, it, but then I've instinctively just without thinking about it, shake, shaken hands, shook hands a few times. So I don't yes. know. Yeah. Once that goes back, I try to be conscious of it all the time. Well, what's what's interesting is that you learn real fast, like what the power dynamic is yeah. between any two people or any kind of business interaction. It's like if the guy just walks up and like and goes to do it, out, yeah, you're they, gonna do it. You're yeah, gonna shake your hand if you're yeah. in the, like the subservient or the needy role. Yeah, like you're gonna shake the hand. <laughs> you're gonna Sorry. shake the hand. Maybe it's a power move though to be like, it "Sorry, a, bro," and then I do the and then do the uh, do the Fonzie thing where you put your thumb through your hair. <laughs> Like yes, just like yes. stick it on the gas, yeah, psych. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then just let him stare at you intently and hope you you know get in a car accident on the way home. Then there's times where because I always try to be very very conscious of it, um, of like just being sensitive to whatever anybody else feels about it. 
But then I do feel like sometimes people look at you almost like, I don't know. You know what it is, Drew? I think we're at an all-time high of people misreading other people's emotions about stuff. I think that people walk into a store and they're convinced that either A, people are jeering at them for wearing a mask, or B, jeering at them for not wearing a mask. Like, I feel like every single person feels conspicuous. And then maybe it's not as much as before. Cause now it's like, you are what you like. You're, if you wear a mask, you wear a mask, you don't think too much about it. But I think for the, for like a good four five, six months there, everybody was convinced that the other people, and it was fun because it was almost like walking around, like in a cold war movie, because I felt like I would be walking through. I noticed this one day when I was at home Depot, like three different times, I would be walking past a couple of people and they would like quiet down their conversation real quick. Cause you know, they are either talking of like either pro or anti-Trump, whatever it was, they were having <laughs> right. some discussion yeah. or about COVID like, or they're, they're either talking about Trump or they were talking about their theories about COVID right. or, or something else. But everybody kind of like, it, it felt like I was in a spy movie. Like everybody is very careful and they're looking around and like, all right, well, I don't want to hear somebody talk too loud about right. this because the, uh, the jackbooted thugs will come take me away. Yeah. I, I mean, I completely agree. I think the level of, um, I don't even want to call it like self-awareness because I feel like that's just way too flattering, but is probably just the, the, um, introspection just the constant everyone thinking everyone's always looking at me at all times yeah is definitely dialed up i mean more so than it ever has been in my life i mean i think there's there's also there you were talking about uh um was it groggins dave uh brian goggins, goggins, who, I think. goggins, goggins yeah. that's right um you know i don't know if you know who tom nichols is but that's another guy i've been like recently reading his book called the death of expertise uh -huh. And it just has never felt more apropos where right now everyone is an expert because no one is. And so that's what it is. Every conversation is just two experts just out experting each other <laughs> with every like moment. Well, and, and, and so then I walk by too. and go like, you guys are both idiots. I'm an expert. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, am, because I am the expert. And all three of you might have been pulling information from different sources. Right. And maybe one of you actually does have accurate information, but the other person just has a whole bunch of out of context stuff. Or, or the third one might just be making stuff up and there's no way to right. check it. Like we have no common right. basis on which we right. can have these discussions because yeah. everybody's getting all their information from different places. And you don't know like what that person's bullshit meter is as far as whether it's, yeah, yeah right. now I'm depressed. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, handshakes. But... I think handshakes come back. Um, w w he says working in offices, I think working in offices definitely comes back, but it's the inventory. I don't think all the inventory gets sucked back up I because think, a lot of companies if, yeah. realize how much more efficient it is to zoom. In. I totally agree. I think if you are in a more service-based or sales oriented sort of industry or business, I think you're going to see a huge downtick in how many people actually are commuting into offices. I yeah. think that's good. That's something that I think is going to, but I mean, it's, you know, yeah, I think that's going to be because it also lines up nicely with, you know, the overheads that go along with running a business and running a company. I mean, yeah. they're, they're going to be glad not to have to pay. Oh yeah. No, especially think about some of these companies right now is they're trying to adjust their budgets for next year right and they're trying to figure out like okay well are we gonna renew the lease like how many leases are yeah. up right now where companies are saying well we're kind of managing all right right now right so no and i think like once you go 
I mean, you do lose something by not having that face-to-face interaction. I think a lot of, I think a lot of tech companies, it's ironic that I think tech companies need a lot of the face-to-face and kind of the, the random chance conversations that people have. I think that that ends up um, like on the development side, yeah, right? with like yeah. creatives. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. You see REI, not that they're a tech company, but they're like pretty forward thinking. REI had just built this huge headquarters um, oh, out in the wow. Pacific Northwest somewhere that was all based on, you know, trying to make it feel like you're outside and very easy to be active. They're selling it because they said they realized like, oh, wow, you know what? We're realizing like, REI does some really cool stuff. I actually would want to work for REI. Um, but they, they realized that, you know what, we want our employees to have as much possible time as possible to be outdoors. That's what our company right. is. And if they're commuting at all, or if they're spending time inside, we'd rather have them be working from home. So like, well, just- it's interesting too, because yeah, companies like that have really understood just what the premium is that employees are willing to put on not having to commute and not yeah. having to go into an office. Yeah. And so it alleviates a lot of the the awkward, difficult conversations around compensation, where I feel like they look at it like we can put this off for another two years by letting this person spend more time with their family, be at home. And we get that sweet, sweet buzz of being an evil corporation. So it's, it's <laughs> a win, that, win for right, us. Right. You think the, so the, do you think there are a lot of, okay, when it comes to compensation or just a lot of these discussions about allowing people to work from home, it's probably a lot of times like, management is sitting there thinking like this guy's really valuable and this is what he wants instead of a raise like yeah right. yeah sure susan we'll let you work from home i guess i get like they're they're feigning the being they're like being uh grudgingly allowing it because absolutely they're, they're thinking like okay yeah i mean well, i was ready to give you a 10 percent raise but you just want to work from home yeah no problem yeah. and yeah. i can keep you around and we can delay that conversation for another two three years absolutely somebody yeah. says um one of the responses was working while sick I'm wondering about that one because that's they've known companies have known for a long, like we get memos all the time from our, our head boss, like way before COVID, especially because in radio, you know, if it, if a DJ gets sick or a sports tacos gets sick, then they're screwed completely. Right. So like, where's, but she's uh, Sarah Frazier has always been very adamant about like, listen, if you've got, if you're sick, stay home, we don't want you coming in. Um, but I feel like she's probably the minority. I don't think she's and. So I don't know. I, I think companies have known for a long time that sick employees coming to work end up hurting productivity. And yet right. there's always that, that immediate need to have somebody there that I don't like that. I, I don't think that's going to change all that much compared to. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I think that's kind of been changing over the last several years. Five day school weeks. <clears throat> I know. I don't know. A lot of places are already doing the five day school weeks. I think you go back to having that parents don't parents don't need these kids around any more than they already are. It's a pain in the ass. What you're saying that they're the five day school week has been on the decline previous. Are there normally not of, five days because of COVID he's saying that people are saying that five day school weeks are a thing of the past, but I think that, I don't know. I think that most school, there's, I think most school districts are doing five days a week right now, aren't they? They, yeah, they, I don't, some I don't. of them will do like two days at home and three days in class or they'll stagger or something. Yeah. But. I mean, I don't have kids. Maybe kids won't be a thing anymore. Maybe yeah. that's just, we'll just go all the way in. There just won't be any more kids standing closer than six feet. I think a lot of people want them to be, uh, standing closer than six feet. Uh, I dude, I would love it if everybody stayed six feet apart always for the rest of time. Cause I get kind of claustrophobic, <laughs> but right. that's already like, you talk about that nah. going by the wayside, even Sean, uh, did, did you notice, Drew, one of those commercials, 
one of the holiday commercials that they've been showing on during a lot of football games. I can't remember which company it is, but it's kind of these sentimental scenes of people, you know, uh, like uh, people filtering into a shop one at a time and everybody wearing masks and everything. And right. it's uplifting, but it's touching. But then the very last scene they pull out and it's people lined up to get into this one shop because they're only letting a few in at a time. But everybody's like two feet apart. Like there's just I've noticed this many, many times, like when people are taking conscious steps to try to look like they're doing things the right way they get they botch the six feet completely and i'm not even oh, judging sure. like if you're yeah. outside whatever like it but um it's yeah like i don't think i don't think people have a really good sense for how far six feet actually is i i don't think they do either and i also think that plays really neatly into everyone's and i don't know if this is specifically american but just kind of like that human urge to always like break the rule a little like oh, everyone yeah. everyone kind of wants to break the rule like yeah. no matter what the speed limit is you're gonna go like five miles over it yeah so it's like stay six feet apart and you're like or four or two that's a, no i've noticed no. when you're in a score when you're in a store and the in the six feet markers yeah. are marked out everybody's like two feet in front of it yes like you're just, yeah, even though you're still six feet apart you're still like yeah but i'm but i'm ahead of the curve a little bit it's like going two miles an hour over the speed limit right uh, blowing out birthday candles. That's an interesting one. That that, one. that that seems particularly gross now. Um, and I had <laughs> I think I'd been headed that way for a while, especially kids. They can't control their spit at all. You know, no. um, I don't know. Yeah, that might be that might have gone by the wayside. I think what you should try to do is blow it out through a mask um, on your own separate little cake. Yeah, or just like use something else, like a um, like one of those old timey uh things that you use to keep a fire going. Oh, the, the uh, what's that called? Yes, a the billow? billows. A billow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, hard pants, which they define as pants without elastic. Uh, yeah, the athleisure. which, by the way, have you ever heard of that? Have you called them hard pants? I thought hard pants is like when you're wearing like hard clothes or like denim clothes or workwear like a carhartt jacket that's like it's kind of i think i read this article about how like hard clothes are kind of making a comeback because like everything now is super soft and high-tech fabrics and you realize like for one oh yeah it's super comfortable but nothing shows off my 45 year old bitch tits quite like that (laughs) like a dry fit shirt you know like yeah thanks thanks for that like, super yeah, like, comfy i'm so glad you look at my memories here you <laughs> horny bastards <laughs> like, hope you appreciate my side boob so so the article right. is talking about how wearing hard clothes is actually kind of more liberating and freeing like if you're wearing like a carhartt jacket and some hard denim jeans that have a little bit of bag to them you can just let it all hang out nobody sees you know yeah i also have noticed that that is kind of the um that's like the uniform of choice for a lot of like tech uh, professionals. The Carhartt like stuff. Few. Yeah, just kind of that. Or just weird, workwear. Yeah, workwear. Yeah. Like it's like it's like what's the most obvious way I can compensate for like being a back end developer is yeah. like <laughs> by wearing like like forty layers thick of denim and flannel. It's yeah. always been a little bit of a hipster thing to wear right hard denim. And to wear like workwear, like wear an actual like a mechanic shirt or something like that, which yeah, I a chain wallet. But then like now you're in a yeah chain wallet right. But now you're in a phase where Carhartt's actually kind of I think mainstream fashion. I've noticed. I've seen a lot yeah. of people wearing Carhartt. Where I wouldn't. So I wondered does that does that hurt the <laughs> hipster appeal, like the kind of punk appeal of it for a while until Definitely. it goes back to to be in yeah. that yeah, i don't know it for sure does it's it's like all those trends i mean they're all they're all it's all transitory like I you, gotta, 
Yeah, they're not all getting on combines and managing tending to the cornfields. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, you said all things airport etiquette. You said what? Well, oh, handing people their luggage, opening door. Did you write this? Helping them on the plane? Yeah, I think so. I don't think now when people are getting on planes, everyone is going to be as apt to just grab each other's luggage and hand it to each other, or grab the bags off the carousel, or do okay, all that. How, how do I you don't... feel about okay grabbing people's luggage, including I, way before COVID? I was really conscious of looking like, like, oh yeah, here, young miss, you know, like I didn't want to be a like a male chauvinist or something. I did. I always felt like that was like the equivalent of man, like the physical equivalent of mansplaining. Like if a woman had a heavy oh, bag or something, like I want to help, but at the same time, like that's like I have no qualms. Like if a woman gets offended at me holding a door, like all right fine i hold the door for everybody like i don't worry about whether they get offended at me holding a door because like that i do that for men and women like I, that's not that's not some that's not me as a, like thinking that she's too weak to hold the door open right if i see like a 95 pound woman with a really heavy bag and she's like four foot 11 i feel like i feel like almost a compulsion to help out with that i'm six foot four and do you not do you not do it don't you feel like the judgment is much riskier now not helping and everyone looking at the biggest guy on the plane? Like just going like, really? Like, I know. Really, <laughs> Seth Payne, who hosts a radio show and I recognize you immediately? But would I do it for like a four foot 11, 95 pound man? I felt I feel like that would be emasculating to do to him. Like, I, what am I going to be like for a man? Like, hey, you want me to help you with that champ? You know, I, yeah, which you can't do it for a man, which is why you grab the man by the hips and you lift him up and let him high enough so he can put the bag into it himself like that's, anybody would do that's to a help. dignified way to, to do help. it that's the like more... a master blaster type of situation <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> and then when someone blows the whistle it calms you down and then you sit down in your seat <laughs> um i guess no what i try to do on planes is i try to feel it out like i try to make eye contact like kind of like do you want help with that? And then that, that that runs a risk of just being creepy, right? Like that's that that, that flaring your hard... flaring your eyes dramatically. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Do you I, want help? I leer at them yeah, exactly. until they until they request help or look away. Yeah. yeah until you eventually get like a comment to the stewardess. Uh, uh, sir, oh. can you stop <laughs> leering at everyone? Oh. I'm trying to be helpful. <laughs> and then i wink all right <laughs> exactly and then you lick your lips <laughs> well that okay that was one of the ones i had skipped over uh men touching women at all now this feels like this isn't a covid thing this feels like a me <laughs> yeah. too thing from like a year this feels yeah. like a pre-2019 that this is feels like a stranger asking you for advice on just a completely different issue by the way <laughs> i feel like this, this guy did this guy constructed this whole thing exactly. just to find out if it's actually cool to touch women at the office again what an elaborate way to go around this, sir. <laughs> well, I see what that's... you did there. <laughs> um, that had already changed, I think, ever since Me Too. And all like a, a lot of sensitizing. Um, and I know, I'm uh, yeah, I never will because I don't. It all it takes is if it's one woman out of twenty that for even in her like. It, in her background or something, something bad might have happened to her, or maybe like as a guy, you can never assume that you're not giving off a creepy vibe. Right. None of us assume we're giving off a creepy vibe. Um, but sometimes we do like inadvertently or, yeah. you know, 
I don't know. Like if a woman's been, a, especially like when some women, if they've been abused in their life, it doesn't matter. Like it's, it has nothing to do with you personally. It's just like, they don't want a random dude. Well, that's, yeah. Touching them that's on why the you, I you always, know? you always have to beat them to the punch. I just always report them for assaulting me. <laughs> that's really kind of the only safe way to go about it. Do you, uh, but then there's, like we have uh Ali Escobar who is our our weather person she's very huggy and touchy feely and it's um it bothers her sometimes now that is that she doesn't get as many hugs like she feels it feels like she needs like oh, a, wow she has like a physiological need to get many hugs during a day right um, yeah and it's just a it's, it's do you still do it though um you feel like you have permission not yeah no no I totally have permission with Ali like um that sounded weird. <laughs> like, yeah, like every, she she wrote husband. you a memo. She checked it out with yeah. HR, and you're not allowed. I, to well, I made her sign a document. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you say you got it. You just went to legal Zoom. Like, but we oh. know each other because we spend time every day. Like we've just chatted. Like we, like one thing we'll talk about is like how things look in a transcript. You know, like you always right. have to whenever you're having a conversation. Oh yeah. Try to think of how your conversation actually looks in a transcript. Oh, that'd be so devastating. Like that, like a little, and then sometimes, then when you think, okay, how does this conversation look in a transcript? Then I try to take it one step further and think, okay, and then some people might actually interpret me saying this like the way it would read in the transcript right. like when they hear it right. they might interpret this that same way so basically like, i've tried yeah. to stop having any kind of personality <laughs> yeah, like why is everything seth says in the form of a proposition well i'm sorry you know what i was watching <laughs> this um i was watching this this youtube channel that i like it's called charisma on command um it's really interesting stuff they break down a lot of like there's just different ways to interact with people and different um you know methods for conversation debate stuff like that Right. Um, but but they'll break down kind of different celebrities and, and they'll show why they are engaging or, you know, how they interact with people. And it's really cool. But he he uses one where he breaks down Craig Ferguson and talking about why he's so engaging. The title is why he's so engaging. Then you get into the video and it's like, oh, no, this is how Craig Ferguson is like is so effective at flirting with women. And then I felt kind of weird watching because it felt like I was like, oh. like I just ordered something out of a comic book, you know, like how to pick up women in ten steps or something. But, but but was it was it you realized that's what it was with him being effective at flirting, or was it that was literally outlining? Oh, it was literally what? like him. Like it was all about him interacting with women. That's like so it wasn't like him and his male guests or anything. Yeah. And, but but so it was a lot of really good stuff, and it's all like you know a lot of it is with um is being very uh. Uh, you know, d just non-threatening, you know, right. and like kind of feeling people out and him making fun of himself or making comments about himself right. and all that. And it's all very good stuff. And he's, a, he's an incredible flirt. He's very good at it. But as you're watching it and you're thinking, yeah, but people are watching this video and not they're not getting the disclaimer here, which is like, you can try to act like Craig Ferguson, but at some point it's going to come off creepy. Like yeah. that's the risk yep. you run at some point. <clears throat> like you just got to accept the risk, right? Yeah. Like it's going to yeah. be... It, you're, maybe not, you're not going to be a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. you're going to go to, you're going to go a step too far a couple times right. and you're going to offend somebody. So just don't do this at work. Like do it. Find if yeah. you're interacting with women at a bar or at a party or something, but yeah. you got to be super careful yeah. about who do it. Like, or like at a funeral. Yeah. You know, like somewhere <laughs> where someone's going to want to respond to it. You should do it in places where you're almost guaranteed to offend because then the, the <laughs> you can really see how effective it is. Get, 
the five percent that don't get offended are super freaks. Those are the <laughs> yeah, ones exactly. that are. That's the old. That's the old Eddie Murphy. I think Eddie Murphy had a bit like about that in Raw or something. Whichever one when he was wearing the all red, uh, the all red sw- uh, leather suit. Oh, something God, about man. like he would just he'd walk up to he'd walk up to a woman, and and ask like, "Hey, you want to sleep with me?" And you get slapped in the face. Then he'd walk up to another one. Hey, you want to sleep with me? You get slapped in the face. Um, and and somebody said, well, why why would you do that if it only works ninety nine? If it only works one percent of the time? He said because that one percent is pretty damn exceptional. Exactly. That's why I, I bet. Like if you ever if you talk to Brandy about it too, or like her friends, and they talk about you know like guys with just horrendous pickup lines or how strange dudes will like yeah. hit on Marchito. It's like, yeah, it doesn't work on them. But it it works on someone, and that's it why works they keep on doing somebody, it. right? That's yeah, like why the they keep doing guys, it. The cheesy guys are cheesy for a reason. Yeah, like there's a of subset course. of women that the cheesy stuff really. Works they would on. stop doing it otherwise. Like guys are really good usually at actually like trying to change up their game if it's not working. Yeah, I think cheesiness is probably. Uh, if I had to go back in time, I'd probably try to be more cheesy. Maybe spend more time thinking about cologne and stuff like that, or showers at least. Is that, is that qualify as cheesy just general body hygiene look at this guy yeah that's how we were so like cheesy. look at this cheesy guy wearing <laughs> cologne and hair product what a, what a, look at the way what, he's always combing his hair this guy always just trying to trying to hook up and successfully doing it the cheesy bastard <laughs> <laughs> and he's doing it well what a loser yeah. um all right drew well the game has come to a close the buccaneers uh they, they won pulled it four, out spoiler alert they won 47 to 7 so the yeah, tom brady January Tom Brady looks like he's swinging into form. <laughs> he's, he's keeping it going. He's starting I was to gonna, warm up now. I was gonna do a like a monologue before this podcast, um, but we just we just talked for an hour. Or, do you want to do it now? And then I'm gonna, you're gonna say, edit it. Yeah. In. Hey, hang tight for 15 minutes while I monologue. <laughs> you're gonna awkwardly just, <laughs> uh, just cut. You it know. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I won't. And, and that David Goggins book. It's called Can't Hurt Me. It's actually a really good book. I encourage everybody to read it. I feel like I gave kind of like a backhanded intro to it, like by giving a mild criticism of it beforehand. But if you want to if you want to get super motivated to go do a bunch of workouts that you're not actually ready to do yet in January after New Year's Eve, uh, after New Year's, go, go read David Goggins book. That's a stellar endorsement. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.